This is Sabrina Ali, and you're tuned into another episode of Moms Who Art. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Moms Who Art. I have with me a very special guest. Her name is Cameo Johnson. And how are you today? I'm well, you know, as well as can be in the midst of a pandemic and a global reckoning and racial unrest. Mm. And I have to ask about your experience um, during the pandemic, because this is something that we've never seen before. And was there any lesson that 2020 brought you um, just even in the midst of all this uncertainty? I think the thing that comes to mind first when people ask about like my pandemic experience mm-hmm. um, has been you know the light at the end of the tunnel or not the light at the end of the tunnel but like something positive that came from all of the shenanigans um Mm -hmm. and and trauma and tragedy is that like I've gotten an opportunity that I would never have otherwise to spend every single day since the birth of my child with him wow um then that is something that there, there's no other scenario that I could foresee where that would be a possibility. Um, yeah. Cause he was born in September, 2019 and I went back to work wow. in February uh-huh. and then in March we started working from home. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I've spent literally every moment of his young 20 month life um, mm. with him and seeing mm. that daily it is, kind of hard to fathom not seeing these milestones as they happen because eight hours of his day is with somebody else and then another 10 hours of his day is sleeping you know so yeah so yeah that's that's the thing that I've gotten out of this and and Mm -hmm. my health luckily and and the health of many people in my family and um surrounding extended family and friends Mm -hmm. so I'm Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that yeah So instead of me, the host, introducing you, I like to give you, the artist, the opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience and to the listener. So I want to ask, who are you? So I am Cameo Nicole Motley Johnson. I am a manifestation of my most resilient ancestors. Um, I am someone who finds joy and contributing to other people's happiness and successes. Um, I consider myself a a cognitive empath, which is a kind of fairly new concept to me that gives voice to something I have experienced for most of my life, which means um, I can easily understand others' reasonings and perspectives regardless of my opinion on the matter. So even when somebody's doing something crazy or out of pocket, I'm like, I see how we got here. <laughs> and I can I can see why people do some of the things they do, even when it's bananas, you know, like, yeah. I am an opinionated, assertive, matter of fact personality <laughs> who simultaneously feels often like an imposter um, with a nagging desire to be liked, which is kind mm. of, I don't know if others would know that about me because I think a lot of my personality outwardly says, I don't care what you think, but mm. 
the realist in me has to acknowledge <laughs> that part of me. Yeah. Um, I am art and I am an artist. And as art, I'm constantly evolving. And as, as an artist, I am sensitive about my shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and you know, that that's, that's who I am. And mm-hmm. when I thought about this question, um, you know, kind of in preparation, I, I, I realized the absence of me defining myself by motherhood or by being married or by being mm-hmm. a social worker or any vocation or anything like that. Cause I just, I just don't feel like my essence is defined by those things. Mm. I, I am somebody and was somebody before those things, you know? Yeah. So I don't think that they necessarily make me who I am. They are parts of me, but they don't yeah. make me who I am. Mm. That's so powerful. And I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times as parents, uh, we kind of identify ourselves solely on motherhood or uh, parenthood. So I definitely feel like it's important to also establish an identity outside of who you are to others. So, So like outside of partnership and outside of parenthood. So what does that take? And is that something that you always kind of had an awareness of or was it something that you kind of developed later? Uh, I think that I was definitely one of those people prior to, you know, collecting any of these titles mm-hmm. um, who was kind of actively rebelling against that narrative. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. I'm not going to be defined by like as a boy mom or anything. Not, to, yeah. not, you know, not to say any of those things are bad. It's just like that yeah. wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then becoming a parent, I was like in the process, in the process of getting pregnant, in the process of um, creating this human or whatever. I was like, oh, am I going to become that? Mm-hmm. Am, is that what's going to define me? And then having been in it for a little while, I'm like, no, I am an individual. He is an individual. My wife is an individual. We are all individuals who are collaborating daily to make uh, a wonderful life together. But um, I don't think he'll ever be defined as, you know, I am the child of this human and that's my complete essence. No, I want you to be who you are and I want to be who I am and I want to live in harmony if possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So what does art mean to you? Um, That's a really big question, but I think, um, you know, to me, art has these levels, like basically... I don't know, three levels, let's say, right? So like there's a universal level. Art is creation, Mm. any creation, regardless Mm. of the other two things that I have come up with, right? So like Mm -hmm. you you made a salad, girl, that's art. It can't, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like you you just, uh, you know, created a a, a sculpture, obviously that's art, Mm -hmm. but you created a human, Mm -hmm. that's art, that's art. You created yeah. a conversation, you created a platform, you created all of that, creation, mm-hmm. period, art, right? Foundational level. Yeah. Um, and then like the second tier to that would be like collaboration and contribution to society, right? Like yeah. not necessarily collaboration with other people, but collaboration as in utilizing experiences and resources and mediums and ideas and just, it's it's not just one thing that makes art, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't, it, let's say your medium is, is, is like painting or something you can't you can't paint without 
the ingredients for the paint. You can't paint yeah. without the brush or the or the the canvas or mm-hmm. the idea or the reference. Like you just you need a lot of things to make these things. And so that's part of art. And then I think a an, a an, an third level would be intention. Mm. Right? Are you just creating mindlessly? Like are you just doodling? Mm-hmm. Or do you is are you, you know, do you have intention behind this? Are you trying to say something? Is it a commentary on something? Are you trying to show somebody something? I think all those are really important to art being, having longevity, um, acknowledgement, not that people do art for acknowledgement all the time, but just like, yeah. what can what can we get from these things? And how mm-hmm. do we acknowledge these pieces or these events or this creation that you've made? Wow, yeah. I love how you broke that down. I've never heard it explained that way, like in different levels and different tiers. Wow. Yeah. And so what mediums do you use to express yourself through art? Um, I think uh, this is another question that I kind of thought about. And um the most obvious answer, you know, for what I'm currently working with is Mm -hmm. textiles and graphic art and any of the processing systems like sublimation or silkscreen or heat transfer Mm -hmm. um, to create tangible products. That's like the, that's what I, that's what I do now. Right. Like that's, that's just what I use right now. But also when I thought more about it, like my real art, my art at its core is really interpersonal interactions. Mm. Um, I feel like a strength that I have is is crafting conversations and interactions in in many instances that create like I don't know for lack of a better word like a vibiness right that mm-hmm. allows yeah. people to feel comfortable and f- feel seen and valuable and that's that's my real art like that's where I really <laughs> that's where I, I sit in that and then everything. Mm beyond that is just a subcategory of my art, I feel like. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. I wanna follow up with that. So when you say like interpersonal interaction, is that like something that you discovered about yourself like recently? Uh, to think about it this way, absolutely, but mm. Um, you know, as a young person, you're described as a people person, as outgoing, as yeah. an extrovert. Um, you have, I, I think back, like I had friends in every clique, you know, like the goths mm-hmm. and the nerds and the dancers and the athletes and the, uh, you know, whoever, whatever category people found themselves in, in the, you know, rigidness of high school and, and middle yeah. school. Mm-hmm. And I I later became a social worker. And mm. So I work for child welfare services and Mm. I work with people on their worst days, you know, Mm. and even in instances where I had to be the one to give really bad news to a parent, like I have assessed this situation and it's not safe for your child and we need Mm. to have an intervention. I have found that I can do that in ways that make the parent less fearful, um, less angry, Mm -hmm. more calm and comfortable and and able to facilitate the transitions in ways that are not so traumatic to the child. 
and I mm-hmm. and so I just think con- they, like regularly I feel like I'm in the right field mm-hmm. which took a long time to figure out because I thought I mm-hmm. wanted to be a journalist or a sports uh, agent <laughs> yeah. yeah I thought I wanted to do these other things that maybe I could have been good at but this mm-hmm. feels it feels like where I'm supposed to be at because I feel like I do the most, I do the most good, um, mm. especially being a black woman in mm. a, in a, in a field that feels punitive to black women and families. Mm. So oh. I'm like, I'm here, I'm here to do what I can from where I'm at. And I think that, um, especially now that I work with specifically transitional age youth so like eight youth age 15 to 21 yeah. um I'm able to impart some things that cannot could not be heard from someone else I can mm-hmm. I can give advice and direction that that comes from a place that other people can't give it from yes wow and it's so interesting that um you talk about social work in a kind of or you approach your work with like such intention because a lot of people see like a nine to five is kind of like the antithesis of art and um and I I love how you're just approaching it from that place of intention in a place of just like artfulness like this is art it's like what you do and you can like bring it anywhere absolutely who you are I, I agree. Yeah. I think that a lot of times people relegate art, the term, the idea, the the action to something um, that has to be separate from corporate world or bureaucracy mm-hmm. or just like the, mundi- the mundaneness of being a ca- in a capitalist society. But mm-hmm. I agree, like you take your art with you wherever you go and you yeah. put it into your life in the ways that you can. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's why I'm grateful for this podcast because it really made me think about these things in a way that I hadn't purposefully thought about them before mm-hmm. and how to connect these ideas together in a way that I can verbalize. And, yeah. Um, I do I do something I feel like, <laughs> let, let me preface it, I feel like and, and <laughs> have had positive feedback. Like I do my job in a way that's different from other people. And um, it has been positive experience. Not to say that I'm like, woo, let's go, child welfare system. Woo, let me keep working till my fingers fall off. Yeah. But, um, you know, we still have to live and mm-hmm. we still have to provide. And yeah. I just, I just find as much joy and value mm-hmm. um, within that space as I can for as long as I'm in it. And then yeah. maybe I'll choose to do something else later and, and apply those same interpersonal um, skills to mm-hmm. something else, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. So um, focusing on like your textiles and graphic arts or your tangible arts, um, what inspired you to start your center of attention design? Um, so my wife, actually, oh, wow. uh, Francesca, inspired me uh to start it and I mean she really inspires so much of me in general so there's that like (laughs) yeah uh being with her really was the reignition of my being creative 
mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Before I was with her, I was in a very rough relationship mm-hmm. and honestly had lost all conscious motivation to create anything. I was not, yeah. I was not arting, <laughs> you know, and I really wasn't <laughs> even up. I really wasn't at my best in my interpersonal kind of interactions either. I just, mm-hmm. I was not in a good place and didn't realize I wasn't in a good place. You know, I don't know if, if yeah. other people have experienced the situation of like, you're you're depressed or you're sad or you're not doing well, but you don't know that because it's so normal. Yeah. And you don't realize it until you're out of it. Like, and you look back and like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> who was that person? Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I found my way out of that space and into mm-hmm. such like a loving and nurturing and stable, relationship I just started making things like crazy and Mm -hmm. and using mediums that I have never even touched before um you know like before Francesca I never did any of this um like making t-shirts or tumblers or dominoes or resin and sublimation like none of this stuff I never tried it and then um one of the first things that she ever gave me at, when we started our relationship was a box of like 150 crayons. Wow. <laughs> like all the colors. Wow. And uh, I still have it to this day because I, I really treasure it. Adonis is not allowed to use it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I just started doing stuff. And I, I started, I, I really, um, for a long time, categorized myself. I would make a differentiate or a distinction um, when people say, oh, you're like, you're an artist. And I was like, no, I'm just creative, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. not an artist. I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I do certain things and make certain things. When I see something, I'm like, I can make that. And then I do. Like, that's just being yeah. creative. I'm not an artist. And mm-hmm. I, my mindset changed um, in the course of my time with her. And I'm uh-huh. like, I am an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started, I, I, she saw what I was doing. Um, because that's really how it started. I saw like a t-shirt or something that I, I wanted and I was like, I can make that. And then I did. And then yeah. there was more. And then Fran was like, can you make this for me? And I did. And she's like, people would probably be interested in what you're doing. Yeah. And so I created this little Instagram page, um, center of attention design. And I started chugging along and yeah. people started ordering stuff. I think, you know, and from other states, it was crazy. Like your biggest supporters are sometimes people who just don't know you. Yeah. And uh, actually the funny thing about it is as I started, um, as things started going faster and faster, mind you, I'm a one woman show up in, at the time I was up in my kitchen making all these things. Um, (laughs) I realized that I really preferred a slower pace and that Mm. what I valued about being a creative person um, kind of was hindered by a need to monetize it. Wow. And I found myself like becoming overwhelmed and not wanting to do the orders, you know, and, and, and kind of procrastinating. And so I kind of started to slow my pace mm-hmm. and I stopped posting and I, I stopped taking out ads on social media and, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I still sell things. But but my my focus has become more on custom made to order items that customers find out about through word of mouth primarily. Mm. Um, And so far, the people who I work with tend to be repeat customers, which feels even better because I get to know them and then I personalize things for them. And it's really collaborative. Um, 
So people that have like three or four people who have ordered over $500 worth of stuff from me just because they're like, can you make this? Yeah. What about this? <laughs> I know you've probably never done this before, but can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, wow. let's do it. Wow. So, so now it's very, it's very much smaller. I do just a couple orders a month now and mm-hmm. it feels much more organic and mm-hmm. comfortable. Wow. I just love listening to your story and the way love was reawakened inside of you and the love that you shared or that you share with your wife allows you to experience a an otherwise hidden or like dormant part of yourself and just listening to you talk about finding your pace and how important it it is to find one's pace not just as an artist but just in life as a human being so it's very inspiring listening to you speak so we're gonna move along to birth and birth is such a layered and complex and vast experience and I don't I don't really think society fully comprehends the fullness of the journey and the work that goes into birthing because you're not only birthing a child you're also giving birth to another part of yourself so I want to ask what do you feel like your birth taught you about yourself these are great questions so good thank you (laughs) (laughs) Um, first and foremost, my birthing experience taught me, reminded me, emphasized within myself, the infinite strength that I possess as a woman, period. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like, yeah. Woo! So much, <laughs> so much of my pregnancy was me thinking and feeling like I could not do it. Wow. Uh, me feeling exhausted, um, at times alone, physically and mentally unable to perform the duties of creating life. It was just like, it was crazy. I, I, you know, I envy the women who I encounter who say, I loved being pregnant. It was so <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, It was amazing. I'll do it a hundred more times because I did not have that experience. Mm. Um from from jump right so like mm-hmm. I married to a woman so mm-hmm. inherently creating another human within my body is just a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's outside um outside things that have to happen yeah so I, I struggled to get pregnant initially mm-hmm. um many many times we had to do IUI um mm-hmm. and that was hard and I felt inadequate sometimes because that was hard and mm-hmm. then Gratefully, you know, wonderfully, um, at some point I did become pregnant. And then immediately upon becoming pregnant, I was sick. (laughs) I was sick for 12 whole entire weeks. Wow. Um, And then after that, I struggled to sleep and be comfortable or to really like revel in the joy that so many had told me came with creating life. I, I felt like my life force was being drained and I hated sharing my body. I hated it. Uh, and then our little homie Adonis decided he was going to be a week late. And so the way my brain was set up, I was not really mentally prepared to do this beyond what I was, the date I was told. So that was 
taxing on my on my just well-being yes um so so when I did go into labor I had a 32-hour labor and um and (laughs) most of the last several hours of my birthing experience was me cursing and crying and telling my (laughs) wife that I would not ever be doing this again and that I would probably not even be able to be successful in this endeavor Mm. like I like I cannot Mm. do it yeah, I cannot do it. And I really felt that in my brain. Like, I cannot do it. How do people wow. do this? This is impossible. Wow. How do I stop this? Wow. Um, and then, <laughs> and then somehow like magic, I gave birth to a beautiful baby boy in a pool of water in my kitchen mm. with no medical intervention. He entered this world journeying out of my body and was caught with my own two hands like it was fucking great wow. it was oh it was it's surreal it's like it, it feels like some impossible task mm. and I sat there in awe of what my body did all by itself which is again mm. bananas like yeah. just logistically this shit is crazy and I just sat there on my knees in the water I just kept saying I can't believe I did it I can't believe I did it I can't believe I did it like I can't believe that this is something that people do Mm. and and that's kind of how I feel every day now I'm I'm constantly in awe of how we specifically as mothers but as parents and caregivers and kin find a way to navigate the unforeseen challenges of parenthood you know Mm. like you just find a way and it's crazy yeah just hearing you speak about your birthing experience and how your brain and your whole entire existence was telling yourself that you couldn't do this and then you did it can you explain that feeling of limitlessness and um, that experience and that power that you felt I mean I I know that you know yeah I know that you know, but like, it feels, I don't know, like it feels limitless. <laughs> it feels yeah. incredible. It yeah. feels like a miracle. It feels like mm. something divine. It feels like, mm. it feels like, it feels like there's a higher power, a greater thing. Mm just letting you escape your body and they it took over you know like Mm. I didn't have to I my cameo the human that's indoctrinated into this society was like no everybody I cannot do it so Mm. so you know through some divine intervention of the universe or whatever yeah some some energy came into my body was like cameo go ahead and have a seat (laughs) <laughs> I got this right and, yeah. then, and it just happened like it, yeah and then it was like cameo um I, I'm done so you could come back here's your baby mm. and then it's like wow. I'm back and I'm like oh my god and I think that's wow. part of the reason why it felt like I didn't do it like how how yeah. did I do this because yeah something intervened and made it possible mm. it's wow. crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I I just love like recalling birth stories because I feel like sometimes, you know, it's it's a part of our life, but we forget. We don't really like reflect or we don't really keep it with us. It's just something that we did in the past or it's just something that 
happens but I just love like remembering because it's just like wow it just like really a miracle occurred in my life and like <laughs> every day since is like a miracle manifested you know yes absolutely so, yeah. absolutely what lessons did your child bring to you so my little human is is called Adonis as we all have heard <laughs> earlier in um in this interview um, and he has taught me so much and it kind of feels kind of cliche to mm-hmm. say that out loud <laughs> you know, because the millions and billions and trillions of women and parents before us have repeated that. And mm-hmm. I think before, not, not necessarily even creating life, but before parenting another human, mm-hmm. you, you hear it and be like, uh, yeah, I bet, you know, yeah, <laughs> children are, children are amazing. Yes, we know, you know, and then. <laughs> And then you are the one who's Mm -hmm. in it. And it's like, oh, shit, they really do. They really do make you think about things and reflect and and grow yourself. Um, So, you know, I think if I had to choose one thing that really feels prominent, Mm -hmm. it would be about a child's right to autonomy, Mm. Um, which is (laughs) which is kind of counterintuitive for a lot of black folks culturally right yeah um sure. I was raised in a black ho- household with black parents and I, I feel like mm-hmm. culturally historically black parents have taken on some of the traits of our oppressors in a misguided mm-hmm. attempt to protect us mm-hmm. from what they perceive as a far greater danger or harm which is hella toxic right but you don't yeah. know that because that's just how you that's how parents and, and ancestors were brought up right yeah and um as a result, you know, much of our experiences in parenting are punitive. Mm-hmm. And because some of those tactics are effective, right, in getting the desired mm-hmm. outcome of compliance, we mm-hmm. become indoctrinated into a system that ultimately stifles the child, right? Like mm-hmm. um, your kid wants to help you cook and they accidentally mm-hmm. knock the bowl over and it's like, why did mm-hmm. you do that? And then you pop them or something, right? Like that's yeah. just a child being a child. Yeah, but we don't realize that because there's a fear, right? It's a fear-based kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, because of my, you know, deliberate choice to be, you know, to to go beyond that, um, mm-hmm. I actively choose to challenge what feels comfortable or normal parenting practices. Mm-hmm. Um, from from what I experienced and what you know my wife has experienced and, and really try to be more conscious in my parenting yeah uh, I'm not I'm not an expert at this <laughs> I'm actually probably not even very good but I feel like any incremental improvement is mm. gonna be exponential for for wow. Donna yeah I really want to applaud you for being so intentional and conscious in your parenting journey and also acknowledge like how much work it is to have to um, do something like parent in a way that we weren't shown, like we were actually shown the opposite. So just acknowledging how much work that that takes. Um, so my next question is, how has parenting a child helped you to reparent your inner child? definitely there there's definitely a lot of that and I had no this was not something I even like thought about or or conceptualized prior to having a child that the fact that you being a parent yourself would cause you to 
to have to reflect on your own experience as a child, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then address that experience um, in the inner child that lives within you, right? So mm-hmm. um, thank you for asking this question because again, it made me think critically about my own growth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, my childhood in a, in a macro sense, in a greater sense, was like really great. <laughs> I had a mother and a and a father and a stepfather who loved me and were relatively mm-hmm. stable and supportive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you start to get into the details of it all, there is some trauma related to police and mental health and mm-hmm. interpersonal relationships within our family. Um, and there's a subtext of fear within all of that. Wow. You know, as a child, there's a subtext of fear that, mm-hmm. that kind of regulates how you, how you act. So mm-hmm. I, I was fearful of disappointing them. I was mm-hmm. fearful of not living up to their expectations. I was fearful of their reactions to disclosures about myself or mm-hmm. what I wanted um, or what I wanted to do with my life, you know, like they had a certain expectation of how life goes, you go to school, you come home, you go to college, all this, Mm -hmm. they had a very structured idea of how life was supposed to go. And for the most part, I lived up to that expectation. But like I said, there was a subtext of why am I doing this? Not necessarily just for my own benefit, but a lot of it because I don't, I don't want to, you know, hurt them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm fearful of, of, of that pain that they would feel. so as a result of that uh, subtle fear, um, I made parts of myself small and amplified other parts, like my mm-hmm. academic success or sports. Yes. Um, I stopped trying things. I became avoidant of things that I didn't that didn't come naturally to me because I need wow. to be the best at it. Wow. Uh, but. Mm-hmm even equipped with the knowledge that comes with being a social worker and going to therapy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I find myself constantly falling into unhealed habits, you know? Mm. Yes. I I find myself feeling embarrassed and tentative to demonstrate new skills or to feel confident in my knowledge base. I often shut up in order to avoid conflict, you Mm. know, which are all based in the fear mentality that my inner child is holding on to. To be honest, I assumed she grew up with me as the years mm. passed. Wow. But I'm learning now that she's still just a kid who's playing dress up, you know? She's just mm. pretending to be 33. Wow. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Moms Who Art. I want to thank my special guest, Cameo Motley Johnson, for that lovely and eloquent, thought-provoking conversation. I know she's going to continue to be a pillar in her community and the voice for the people, and we look forward to her future endeavors and successes. I want to thank her once more, and also thank you, the listener, for tuning in. And until next time, peace and love to y'all.